I love instruments, but I love when there's no instruments and it's just the voice instruments, and that's awesome. Hebrews chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 3. And we're moving. We'll be through the book of Hebrews by 2025 at this rate. No, it won't be quite that long. Hebrews chapter number 3. We're looking at verses 1 through 6 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 3. And let's read starting in verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We love you. We need you. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy and your grace. Guide us today as we look at this passage, and may we consider Jesus today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible is an old book. Older than Bridget this morning, you know? It's an old, old book. And uh, it's been around a long time. Penned here on earth about 5,000, 2,000 years ago, somewhere in that time. 3,400 years ago, somewhere in there, till about 2,000 years ago. But God's word was settled in heaven long before it was ever penned here on earth. And it's amazing how relevant it is today written so long time ago. The Bible is relevant in all times. That's what makes it so different from so many other books out there. Because books written along, a lot of those have no relevance on today. But the Bible is relevant today. As we look at the beginning of the verses here, we see it's written to believers, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. I think that's clear. But as we look here, it appears that there were some Christians or people, who consider, people that consider themselves to be Christians, that were gear, they were looking everywhere in their Christian life but to Jesus Christ. And as we look and we think about this, today this happens. Christians run from one spiritual fix to another. We don't have many, we don't have many Christian bookstores left anymore, right? Used to be there, used to be everywhere. And there are so many self-help books and all these different things. I'm not against books and things like that. But we look for all these fixes in the Christian life. Have you ever considered Jesus? It would do us good to go back and just consider Jesus. We get so caught up in our Baptist churches. We get caught up on this or that and who can do this and who can do that. And you've got to wear this, you've got to do this, and you've got to do all these things. It might just do us all good just to go back and just to consider Jesus. It would help all of us. It's a relevant thing in 2023 that we would just consider Jesus. When life is going bad, when there's nothing going right, and you're depressed, there's anguish, and everything's disappointment, and, and there's temptation at every corner, what, who do you consider first? It should be Jesus. I believe that the book that was written to the Hebrews... 
I believe that one of their, their biggest problems with their spiritual growth was they were looking for other things instead of Jesus. I think we do the same thing in 2023. We must consider Jesus. We look at the end of the book, because this is a theme throughout the book of Hebrews. Towards the end of the book, it says that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. The race that is set before us and says, look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners, lest he be weary and faint in your minds. Christian, you call yourself a Christian. We're Christians. Why is it that we don't consider Christ more? That word consider there means to fix upon. We need to fix upon Jesus. I have a real-life illustration to give you this morning about considering to fix your eyes on Jesus. On Friday, our family was in a really bad car accident on the freeway. We were going 60 to 70 miles an hour, somewhere in there. We were on the 15 freeway, just south of the 60, and we were in the fast track lanes. Because traffic, I looked at my GPS thing, and it said that traffic was very slow near Limonite there, the exit there. And so I saw that, so we went in the, car, we went in the fast track because you got know, six people in the car, it's a little cheaper, and it wasn't that expensive to be in that stretch. And I just wanted to get to my parents' house a little quicker. And we were going to go Di- to not Disneyland. No, we don't, we don't have money for Disneyland. Knott's Berry Farm that evening. We were going to go to Knott's Berry Farm for the rest of the evening. And so as we get over there, um, when, when you drive, this is a great lesson and when you drive. You never want to be in the moment. Because if you're right in that moment, you can't prepare for anything coming. So I have a, I have a class BCDL. So they teach you driving a big bus with a lot of people in it and things like that. You must be looking ahead and preparing for what's ahead in case you get in it. It's being defensive and being ready for what's coming at you. It's a great way to drive. The problem today is most people don't drive that way. And that's where a lot of problems come into. So we're in the, we're in the fast track lane and we're in the right, the right lane, the slower lane of the two. And I see right near Limonite there, I see everything stopping. And so the guy, there was a guy in the fast lane on the, you know, on the regular lanes. And I see he doesn't see that everyone's stopping. I see this. It's just a little bit ahead of me. And I see he's not stopping. And so my first thought is he could just swerve into here to get around. But then the problem I had is I'm going about 65, 70. There was a car right next to me. I couldn't just get over I would have just gotten over to stay clear of him and just pray he didn't plow into me. So I'm kind of stuck right where I was, and I noticed that he, he slammed on his brakes and you saw smoke coming up from his tires. You know that something not good is going on right then. I started to hit the brakes, and then in all reality, I don't know what happened next. You say, why? My thought was, if this guy hits me, I've got a car full of my family, and depending on where he hits me, my car could tip, go into the other lane, the center median is there, and there's a bunch of cars behind me. So my thought is, how can I keep my family safe? So right in that moment, my mind went to, if I get hit, this before I got hit, if we get hit, the car's going to go towards the median. I'm not going to hit that median because that's even more, comp- more impact. And I got to get off to the side so I don't get hit by other people. 
So I don't, the airbags went off. All the side ones, the front ones went off. Did my face touch it? I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't even know what happened. All I know is I saw the cement, the median. And after we hit, heard the hit, I saw us heading for it. I turned the car away from it and got the car to stop up in the first lane. And I looked in my mirror to see that there weren't cars going to slam into the back of me. And God just happened to have a tow truck behind us that saw the whole thing and slowed down and didn't let traffic by. God did that. But this was the thing. Then the next thing I know, 911's on my watch. You've been in an accident. Are you? I'm like, now, the kids, William told me yesterday, because we were talking about it, he said, my watch was asking me, have you been in an accident? Have you been? I just, I didn't move. I literally don't. My mind was still stuck in that moment of trying to keep us safe. And literally, I don't know what happened. I heard a boom. I know I saw the car going this way, and I got the car back over on this side. That's all I remember. I was focused and fixed on not hitting that wall. In life, if... How many of you would say that life, that this world is a mess? How many of you would say America's a mess? It's a mess. If you don't, how many of you think everything is great and wonderful? Would you raise your hand? In all reality, everything is good, great, and wonderful because of who our God is. Instead of keeping our head down in the sand and letting this stuff mess us up, we need to consider Christ and keep our eyes on him. It was, you know, we had some, it was, we got, to, no, the kids weren't nothing. Everybody was fine, praise God. For as bad as the accident was, the car's probably told. God really took care of us. We got to, the kids got to walk up the on-ramp at Limonite. They wouldn't put us in the CHP car, so they let us walk. So when do you ever get to walk on the freeway, kids? They literally got to walk on the freeway for a couple minutes. Some things they'll never forget. And uh, the tow truck driver, the CHP, other people, they're all saying sorry to me. And, sorry. and then at the collision place, sorry about your car. And my thought was, Sorry about my, who cares? My family is walking. My family's safe. They're like, we hope your day gets better. I'm like, my day's great. My family walked away from this. There's nothing, my, it's a great day. The Lord saved us with all of that. But I do know I focused on what I need to do in case something happened. I believe that if we in our Christian lives would just consider the Lord and focus in on him, it could revolutionize our Christian lives, our spiritual growth, all that happens in life. And it would be a great thing for us. As we look at this passage this morning, I want to show you some things. We see, number one, the fact that we're to consider Jesus. That's what it says there. It says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider him. As we look here and we see this, we we think about in Matthew chapter number, and the verses are wrong there, Joe. They, um, they should be chapter 6. And it talks about considering the, um, in chapter 6, talks about considering the ravens, considering the lilies. And how if the Lord will take care of them, how much more he'll take care of us. And that word consider, as you look at it, it's a word that when you focus in on that word, if you focus in and you see what the Lord has done with the birds and the flowers, if he takes care of them and waters them and takes care of things, 
it could change our life if we focused in on what God could do in our lives. So we look at the word consider, it literally is an imperative. It's a command. We are to fix our minds upon Jesus Christ. We need to consider him. You know, if you're struggling, if you're saved or not, you need to consider Christ. That's where you go. That's where you look. If you're struggling spiritually and you, there's some sin in your life, some things you need to clean up, it would do you good to consider Jesus Christ this morning. Just consider him. If you're wondering if you can be forgiven, consider Jesus today. The problem is we don't think enough about Jesus. We really don't. We think about everything else and everyone else, and we don't think enough about Jesus. And we look at this passage and we see the author here, hey, consider him. Put your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's superior to everyone. And then we see he goes into someone he's superior to. Letter A, we see the fact that, consider the fact that his superiority to Moses. Now, for you and I, we understand the fact here today that Jesus is greater than Moses. And Moses was a great guy, wasn't he? Now, did he have sin? Did he have, yes, he was not perfect, but he was a good man. The fact that, he, and for Israel, think about the Hebrews, who the book is written to here. They look to Moses as the one who led them out of, the, out of Egypt, led them to the promised land. He's the one who spoke to God. He's the one who received the oracles of God. He got the commandments from God. He was up in the mountain with God. Moses to the Israelites, to the Jews, is someone very special to them. So we see the author here points out the fact that Christ is better. He's superior to Moses. Now this morning, you and I might struggle with Jesus being greater than Moses. But what is it in our lives that we struggle with thinking that it's greater than Jesus? I'll tell you, when problems come or things happen, where's the first place you go? It should be Jesus. But as we look here, maybe you don't have the problem with it being Moses, but maybe there's someone in your life that you look to more than you look to Christ. There are people that look to their pastor more than they look to Jesus. And if you look to your pastor instead of Jesus, you need help, especially here. If you're looking to this pastor instead of Jesus, you just better stop looking at me and start looking to Jesus because that's the last thing you need to do. The dumbest thing you do is be looking at me. But there are people that, will follow, that look to their pastor before they look to Jesus. It's crazy in this world. And maybe you don't struggle with the Moses thing, but what is it that you put before the Lord? And we see as we look at this passage, as we consider Jesus, we need to consider the fact that he is his superiority to Moses. Say, well, how is he superior to Moses? Well, number one, we see that Moses is part of the house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. So when we look at that, we look down at verse number three. It says, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who had builded the house had more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses was a part of God's family, right? He was a part of God's household. He was a part of the Jewish people. And what I want you to understand is, that's good, great, and wonderful. But he didn't make them. Think about it this way. A great example that I read that I want to use for you this morning. You're in the Olympics. And a gold medal is presented to the fastest runner. And that fastest runner, they say, I am the greatest because I am the fastest at running. And they did. They won the gold. They were the best at running, right? They're the fastest. They're the greatest. Well, then let's say there's a high jumper. And that high jumper gets the gold medal. And they say, I'm the greatest at high jumping. Well, that's true. And I'm the greatest. Well, who's greater, the runner or the high jumper? They both did well in what they did. 
but God could look at both of them and say, I'm the greatest because I made both of them. That's literally how it is. Moses was a part of God's family, part of the house, but God made the house. Jesus made it. So Jesus is superior to Moses. He is not like Moses. There's so much more I could say with that. But we see the fact that Moses is part of the house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. We also see number two, that Jesus is the son and Moses is the servant of God. We look at verse five again and look at verse six. Verse five says, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house ye are. And as we look at that, we see the fact that Moses was faithful in delivering God's message. He was a servant of God. Jesus is not the servant of God. He is the son of God. Now, I mentioned this in the past when we've looked at the angels. And remember, they're called the sons of God in the Old Testament some. But the only begotten, there's only one son. His name is Jesus. Because of adoption, we are adopted in and we are sons and daughters of the king and kings. But there's only the only begotten son. Jesus in relation to God is a different relation. We get brought in and we get all the rights and privileges. But just like Moses, Moses was just a servant. Jesus is the Son. Hey, this message is to the Jews here in this passage. Hey, consider Jesus. Consider what he has done. Look to him. Think about the fact that he's greater and superior to Moses. He's superior to him. Moses was faithful. Moses was part of God's universe. He was a created man. He did all these things. But Jesus was God. Think about this. Remember how Moses said, hey, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. And God says, you can't handle it. That's the gist of what he said. I'll let you see my backside, my back parts as I go through. He couldn't see God for who he truly was. Moses was a man. Jesus was God. Moses wanted to know God better, but Jesus knew God exactly because he is God. Big difference between Moses and Jesus. Was Moses a great man? Oh, a great man. A great man. And the Bible says, and it's very interesting, Moses is one of those guys that I I cannot figure out. Because he's the guy who uh, literally killed the Egyptian early, and his anger got a hold of him a little bit there. And then the Bible says that he was the meekest man in all of ever. Power under control. Maybe it was all those years in the wilderness he learned to be that way. I don't know. And uh, imagine all that time he spent in the wilderness. All his life. Moses is a good man, a meek man. A good man. But he doesn't compare to Jesus. And in this life, there are a lot of great people that will minister to us and that make a difference in our lives, be it family, be it a a mentor, whatever the case may be. But everyone that we have in our lives doesn't compare to who Jesus is because Jesus made everyone. He is the Son of God. We're all his servants. And so that's what we see. Consider Jesus. Hey, instead of looking at your friend and how they live their Christian life, why don't you look to Jesus and how he lived his life? It would do us good in our Christian life to get our gaze fixed upon Jesus Christ. Don't wait till you see him someday. Focus on him today. 
When we look at this, we see the fact that Jesus is the son and Moses is the servant. And then letter B, we see that we are to consider the faithfulness of Christ. We go back to verse number 2. It says, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all this house. As we consider Christ, we realize that he is superior to Moses and superior to anything in our lives. But we also need to consider the faithfulness of Christ. He's faithful. Thank God for the faithfulness of God. Thank God for Jesus and his faithfulness. Both Moses and Jesus were faithful to God's plan for their life. We see that here. And we need to consider that. It would do us good in our Christian life to learn to be faithful to God. I had um, someone a couple weeks ago, we were talking, and we were talking about life and talking about different circumstances and things. And they asked me a question, they asked me a question which had me ask them a question. Because if people ask me a question, I a lot of times turn around as a question back to them. I like people to find answers. I don't like to always give people answers. I like them to find answers for themselves. I think that's a good thing to find answers. But they asked me this, so I asked them this question back. I said, well, why do you, go, why do you serve God and why do you go to church? And honestly, they're, they're like, out of fear. Fear? That was an unusual answer for me. Well, I fear that if I don't do these things for God, he won't love me. And then I know the church background that they have, and it makes sense. Because there are churches that teach unless you do this and this for God, God doesn't love you. And I'm glad that God's love isn't based on what I do for him. It's based on what he's done for me. And this is the thing. Our, why we should be faithful to God today has nothing to do with fear. I do believe we should have a healthy dose of reverence and fear for God. We should. We really should, and I think we are really flippant in that today. And I think it would do it. We need to fear God, honor Him, reverence Him. But God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I tried to explain to this person the reason why we should be faithful to God has nothing to do with fear of what He, what our relationship's going to be like with Him. It should be out of love. Isn't that what Paul said? The love of Christ constrains me. After all that God's done, how could I not want to live for him? Romans 12, verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then the verse says, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable after what God has done and all the love he's shown to you that we serve him. So I, the, today we're going to talk about, just for a minute, as we consider his faithfulness, we should be faithful to him. But I want to make sure you understand something. We, we will never be perfect at it, and our faithfulness to him isn't why he loves us or why he saved us. We should be faithful to him out of love for him and what he's done for us. Because he's been so good to us. He takes care of us. There are so many times that you don't even know that God's at work doing the things that he does. Why was there a tow truck right behind me? How often does something like that happen? And he literally stopped everybody from coming through. That just doesn't happen. That was God. And a lot of times we don't see all that God does. And we got to be looking to God. There's a song, I'm holding to the unseen hand. 
his unseen hand, it is there. And I'll, Wednesday night, I'll talk about this at the end, maybe, or I'll do it right now that I won't have to at the end. When we're going to be gone this week to Zion. We got a road trip of all things right after a car accident like that. Yeah, that's going to be good, great and wonderful, but that's all good. Um, when this week we're getting the carpets cleaned, and then we're also getting some, when we bought the carpet, I bought extra of the same squares to replace bad ones down the line. So some squares are getting replaced because some of you just drool all the time on the floor. I don't know what it is. No, they actually said the biggest issue on the carpet here is, I think it's from our parking lot, the grease and oil in our parking lot and have, doing our parking lot over. This is like oily stains. It's not even from the food. Food doesn't help. And like, this is food. This is food. I don't know what someone did right here. We'll probably blame my kids for that one. I don't know. But so Wednesday night, there won't be a service because that's going on. But I will have an online. There will be a short little message there. And I've been praying about what I was going to do. I've got a hike I want to do in Zion. And if I don't make it, it had to be because the car accident made it, so it was too hard for me to do. But I'm teasing. But um, I'm hoping to do this hike. And up at the top, I got my, my little selfie stick. So I'm going to do my lesson up there. And so, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk out of the book of Esther and God's unseen hand behind things. I think I got a couple of great, and sometimes in life, it's just like the other day, and that's where my mind went with the whole thing. I had all these people, oh, I, I hope your day gets better. I hope your day gets better. Well, if you look at it on one side about the car being gone and maybe it not being worth what I owe on it, and then if I can even get another car and all that, that doesn't sound very good. But that doesn't even matter. I can just walk places if I have to. I could ride a bicycle. It'd be fine. Probably be good for me. Keep my weight off. Do that, do it that way. But literally, you just look at all that God did. Literally, the tow truck driver, when I got in his car, the tow truck driver, and it was, he's like, you, and so the officers that were there, I had a couple of my chaplain coins for the Chino PD. And so I gave them, and one of them started, he teared up on the, on the and like I talked to them for a minute. The tow truck driver, he's like, you're a Christian, aren't you? He's like, I could tell I'm Mormon. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord, Lord help you. And he's like, I used to be Christian, but I turned to Mormonism. I'm like, oh, Lord help us. <laughs> but anyways, and then the rental car driver, literally, he, I jump in the car, and he's got worship music playing right there. How often? God just is in, he's, his hand's in all so many things that we don't even realize. And he's right there behind the scenes. And so Wednesday night, that's what I'm going to talk about. And so tune in around 6.30. It'll be on unless there are issues with the Internet and stuff. But it should be fine, and that'll be good. But as we get ready to close here and we consider Jesus, we consider his faithfulness. Church, we need to be faithful to God. I just want to give you a few thoughts about being faithful to God. The first one is this. What are some things we can do? It all begins, number one, with a healthy relationship with the Savior. You want to be faithful to the Lord? You need a good relationship with him. A healthy relationship. Fall in love with him. What was it, Albert, at that men's thing? Have a love affair with God. I think that's how he worded it. I love that. That's how it should be. You think about it. A man that is in love with his wife is not out cheating on his wife. And vice versa. You want, you, need a, you, you want to be faithful? You need a good relationship with him. And that's so important. And church, I'm just, I'm not going to park on this. I'm going to park on this for a second. This is a side note. I did this last service, and I don't know if this is Holy Spirit or if it's Brian, and I don't know which one it is, but I, we, I know our world this month is going crazy with lots of things. 
before our eyes. And I hear, and I, on social media, I'm just about ready to turn on, my birthday's this month, and June 19th is my actual birthday, and now there's that day, they're making a holiday after my birthday, it's amazing, I didn't realize they were going to do that for me, but I appreciate that. And then, um, but Pride Month and all of this. And I, and, and I know, we look and we think about it, I see Christians online a lot posting about how awful it is and how sick they are and all of this. But I literally know some of those same Christians that are doing that, that literally are committing fornication and adultery in their own life at this very moment. Be very careful looking at everyone else's sin when your closet's full of garbage. Yes, I'm not for, and yes, I don't want our children being taught the things they're being, I'm, I'm, we, there's got to be a stand taken. But the other thing is, I see a lot of Christians getting so upset about this sin, but they can live and do as they please this sin. It's still sin in God's eyes. And fornication, adultery, it is wrong, it's sin, and it has no place in a Christian's life either. So instead of dealing with someone else's sin and saying how bad they are, go clean your closet. We're good at looking to see if someone else's closet's clean we're not very good at looking at our own closet and seeing how clean it is. I think, what did Jesus say? Let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. We do need to stand on things. And I'm a firm believer in standing. And, and in all reality, it breaks my heart for the Lord. He gave us the rainbow to say he would never flood the earth again. And then what, do, what does our world do? Makes it a pride thing. And pride is what messed up Satan in heaven, right? Pride is a big deal, just like every other sin. But it saddens me that we would take something that God made to be a blessing and a reminder to us he wouldn't flood the earth and flaunt that back in his face. God deserves better. That's, it hurts my heart for him. But he is so merciful and so gracious, so long-suffering. I am so glad that he is God and that I'm not God. So glad he's God. He's, he's the perfect one to be God because he, he could only do the stuff he does. I had someone call me this last, that called me a while back, and they were like, I'm sinning in my life, and I just don't know if I'm saved because I'm sinning. But I'm having conviction about this sin. It's kind of a good sign if you have conviction. But they're like, I can't do anything about it. I'm like, oh yeah, you can. They're like, well, I, I live with the person. We have several kids. Lock yourselves in opposite ends of the house. Live in the garage when you do whatever. You don't have to continue to sin. If God convicts you, God will help give you the tools to fix it, right? Consider Jesus. But if you're going to be faithful to him, you need a healthy relationship with him. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You really do. And I'll tell you this, there are lots of people, and you know, going back, you go back to dating and all that fun stuff. I hated dating. It was the worst thing in the world. Say, so why was it the worst? I just didn't like it. I, I, I love marriage, and I love the results of the dating. I love that. But I would not want to go back and date again. I'm, I would be fine. Never, never. I, it was just one of those things. Because, you know, you, you think that this person, you're getting to know this person, you think, oh, they, 
this might go somewhere. Then you do something nice for them, and something nice, and then they stab you in the neck. Not, not really stab you, but they, they like, you know, they just treat you like dirt, and it's like, oh. And you start opening yourself up to a relationship, and then it breaks down. You will never regret falling in love with Jesus. He'll never let you down. The best decision you'll ever make in life is to love Jesus. Just have fall in love with him. It's the best thing you ever do. Have a healthy relationship with Jesus. Be faithful. Number two, number two, through a life of obedience. We see that with Moses. We see that with Christ. We see that they did what the Father's will was for them. If anybody didn't have to do it, it would have been Jesus, but Jesus was obedient, even unto death, the death of the cross. Through obedience. And then thirdly, is through encouraging other believers to do it. We're supposed to provoke one another to good works, right? Isn't that what the Bible says in the end of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 10? And we can encourage one another to be faithful. If we're not here and faithful, how can we encourage one another and do those things? And so we see here this morning, we see number one, we just need to consider Jesus. Now as we, why? Because he's superior to Moses. Moses is a part of the house, but Jesus built the house. Jesus is faithful, Moses is faithful. Consider those things. And then lastly, sometimes we get caught up on things. I want you to go back with me to verse number six. I want you to read this with me, and we're just about done. We're rounding the finish line, okay? The finish line might be like two miles down the road, but we're rounding the finish line one way or the other. We're getting ready to land. We might be a long ways from the landing, but we're getting ready to. Look at verse number six. This is where sometimes we get in trouble as Christians. Look at this verse. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? If you look at that verse, and this is what the common person will do. If you look at that verse just as it says, it literally, if you look at that the way it looks, it looks like you only are a part of God's house if you hold fast. Because that's literally the gist of what it says right there. In the book of Revelation, as we're studying on Wednesday nights, if you overcome, you'll get this. So it's like, oh, so I have to do something to get. Three times in the book of Hebrews, you'll see this same phrase given. If you, and we'll talk about them when we get to those ones, but if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm until the end, it doesn't mean you have to do this to be a part of God's house. Say, so, well, why not? Because the rest of the Bible proves that. And I'm going to explain what this means here in just a second and help you understand it completely. But it's one of those things that's good for us to talk about for a second. You've got to understand the Bible makes it clear, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. The book of Titus 3.5. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you were to take this verse the way it is written right here, it would mean you would have to be faithful and steadfast in order to be a part of God's family. And that goes against what the rest of the Bible teaches. Now, one of the things we need to realize today, I am a firm believer that God's word is true. I believe in the preservation and inspiration of the Bible. Now, that's what you got to understand. Our translation is not inspired the way John was inspired by God to write the book of Revelation. 
It is inspired because it is preserved. God has promised to preserve his word. So it is inspired because of God's preservation. God has used man to pen his words. And men are the ones that have translated the scriptures. Now, I tell you from time to time that, now, I want you to understand something. I would never, never in a million years would I ever translate the Bible. I would not. I want no part in it. Those that want to, go for it. But I don't want my part taken out. I don't want to mess with it. I want to stay far from it. But I will always, when I study a passage of Scripture, so I will go and I will read the Greek a bit. If it's Old Testament, I'll read the Hebrew. I look up the meaning of the words and all these different things. And one thing you've got to realize is, and you might say, well, I don't have to do that. You don't have to do any of that. But when you look at a verse like this and you read it like it says, it literally says that you, if this is you, if you do this, then you, then you are part of God's household. That's what it says. You can't change what it says right there. And you can say, well, I just don't think it. I don't care what you think or not. That's what it says. So if you take the time to study it out, and you got to understand something. Do you realize languages are different? I barely speak English, and I don't speak it well. And there are so many different dialects, and even, even the English we use today is different than the English back in 1611 or all that good stuff. And so let's use different languages. I, anybody speak Spanish in the room? Some people speak Spanish. I do too. I speak burrito, enchilada, taco. And the rest, muy, muy poquito. That's where I'm at with it. And so that's as far as I go. But in Spanish and English, not every word lines up. There's not a direct word. Same thing could be said with Greek, Hebrew, and such things. And so when you look at this verse, what I want you to look at, there are two words for that word if. And really what it means is since. Since you will do this. So you are a part of the household of faith or a part of God's household since you'll hold fast during that time, which makes a lot of sense. If you're a child of God, you will be steadfast. Like I have some, I've had people talk to me about, um, now there are many different types of Christians. You have your mid-tribbers, your post-tribbers, and your pre-tribbers. And you can be wherever you want on that. I'm more concerned in life about if you're a pre-chipper, a mid-chipper, or a post-chipper. If you go and have chips and salsa, do you pray before the first chip? Do you pray in the middle of your chips? Or do you pray after you've had your chips? That's more important to me than if you're a post-trib, mid-trib. You can figure that all out for yourself. And that's a pastor joke. And if you don't know, that was just a pastor joke. It's okay. And so you'll be all right. But anytime we have a guest, I always tease them. Mid-chip, post-chip preach it. Anyways, I thought it's funny, and you don't have to think it's funny. But I've had people, they're like, you need to preach on the, on the, on the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is a big deal, because the people take that. And so, let me, let me, let's talk about that for a second. Studying the Bible enough, I would say that if you get the mark of the beast, you're probably not going to heaven. Would you agree with that statement? I think that's true. So, if you're a child of God, and you are settled and secure in the Lord, are, if we were here, which I think the Bible says we won't be, that's my opinion, if we're here, are we going to take the mark if we wouldn't go to heaven by getting the mark? No. You'll know better. You're saved. So as we look here, like we look in the book of Revelation where it talks about if you overcome, those that are saved 
will overcome because they've been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's how you have to look at it. This is not saying that if you do this, then you're saved, or if you do this, you're part of God's household. It's saying that if you're in God's household, you will do this. That's what happens. That's the way to look at it. That will help you as you study out these passages in your life. And what we see is our continuance or our faithfulness proves the reality of our faith. And we see that there at the end of the verse, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm until the end. And that's what the Lord does. It's easy for us in our lives to lose perspective. It's easy for us to get our focus off. I am thankful that my focus was in the right place on Friday in that accident. I'm glad I didn't think, oh, this, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's not going to turn into me. He's not going to do that. That could have been a lot worse. Thought was, if this guy does this right now, we can't hit that wall, and i got to get out of the way of traffic. Focus, consider Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. Christian, you think about that prodigal son. And I know there are those out there that say, that's not a salvation guy. He's a son, so I think he is. And if you want to say differently, that's fine. You can figure that out yourself. The son thought it was so much he could go off and spend all this time living his life, doing his thing, and life was going to be so great. He ended up being in the, in the pig pen. And he thought, man, even the servants in my dad's house have it better than me. Christian, if you're trying to find something else to help you in the Christian life, All you need is Jesus. Consider him. Jesus is all you need. Man, hey, all of you that like to argue with people politically and all this other stuff, why don't you just start talking about how awesome Jesus is and leave the rest of it out? That might help things just a little bit. Man, Christian, let's just consider Jesus. He's awesome. He's the best. He's my best friend. He's the best He's the best. It doesn't get any better than Jesus. And you would do well in your Christian life to quit worrying about every little thing and just focus on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Father,